Independent. Expressive of a spirit of independence, self-confident, unconstrained. Good evening and welcome to Independence Day. This is the show that examines the changing face of the music business and the people who are doing the changing. Independence Day brings you independent artists, producers, and music industry visionaries with in-depth interviews, live performances, and inside information without hype and direct from the artists who practice their craft. Tonight on Independence Day, we are very happy to have Joe Jenks. Joe Jenks is one of God's own prototypes. He's an award-winning, internationally touring full-time performer and songwriter. He's played venues ranging from intimate house concerts all the way up to New York's Lincoln Center and Carnegie Hall. He has shared stages with Pete Seeger, Utah Phillips, John McCrutchen, and countless others. Jenks has seven acclaimed albums under his belt and another with his new trio, Brother Son, and he spends hundreds of days a year on the road bringing his earnest and indelible spirit and music to fans old and new. And if that isn't enough, he's also an educator and has devoted his life to social justice and labor causes. If you'd like to know how to build a career in music, listen up. Joe Jenks is the real deal. Welcome to Independence Day, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Glad to be here. It's an honor to have you, man. It's good to see you. You're an old friend of mine. We go back a pretty good way, so it's nice to get you on the radio on the show here in Pasadena. And you are here kind of on, it's a kind of a working vacation, are you not? You are based in Chicago these days? Yeah. Yeah, based out of Chicago. And how many days would you say these days do you estimate that you're on the road in a given year? Probably 275, 280. All of them? <laughs> yeah. So do you, where do you get mail? I mean, I guess you just check it when you get home, right? Yeah. And if there's anything, you know, particularly salient that, that requires immediate attention, you know, my, my beloved, my wife usually, yeah. you know, I tell her to keep an eye out for things. But uh, in the days of the internet, you know, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's part of what's made independent musicians has given yeah. us a lot of freedom but but that's part of it is that a lot of the critical communication now happens via cell phone via the internet right. via text messaging so it's rare that there's something critical that would sit in my inbox at home as a physical piece of mail and you've been doing this full-time for how long now uh coming up on 13 years almost 13 years so tell me this this is a an, an interesting question how much has technology since you started doing this how much has technology changed the process of you touring and booking tours and making records like how much has it changed in this oh it's completely like changed it it's completely yeah. changed it the first national tour that i booked um i camped out on the telephone the internet was an absolutely useless tool for booking at best some venues had a website where you could find somebody's name and phone number that was it there was no interaction there was no sending emails through websites uh, you know, you just had to figure out who the booker was, call the venue. Um, and, you know, you'd get somebody who'd say, oh, our booker's only in from 2 to 4 on Tuesdays. And you would mark it in your calendar, and at 2 o'clock on Tuesday, yeah. you would call that dude. You know, like, I mean, that's just how it happened. And I spent, you know, hours and hours and hours on the telephone. And now so much of that happens via the Internet, via quick yeah. emails. And, you know, I can do booking at 3 in the morning if I want to, or I can do booking on the West Coast with people that are, you know, sound asleep on the East Coast. And we're just, we don't have to communicate real time in order to communicate. Yeah. And you you really exemplify the mobile office because wherever you, you take your laptop, you've got your, your smartphone, yeah. wherever you go, there you are, you set up your laptop, all you really need is the internet connection. Yeah. And, and you're ready to roll. Can I just say I love Southwest Airlines because they have really, really cushy, comfortable chairs with USB chargers and normal wall plug chargers set in them in airports all over the country. In the you mean in the in the airports? In or? the airports, yeah. You okay. just, they just have these really nice leather, cushy chairs that are just they're my yeah. mobile office. It's man. um it's finally starting to proliferate, thank God, because when I travel, I mean I travel not nearly as much as you do, but I'm you know, I'm out and about uh, and have had full time touring gigs before. And, you know, at one point, you know, you'd fight 
for the one outlet, you know. <laughs> in the terminal, yeah, it got that's to, exactly it, it right. Got, it got so bad. At one point, I used to carry a multi-plug with me. Yeah. And if I that way, if I found someone who had the one plug, I'd be like, hey, man, would you be willing to let me plug the multi-plug in there, and then we can both share, and then there's even room for other people, too. Yeah. You know, and usually people were pretty cool about uh, my, it. My trick has always been to go find the maintenance staff or to find yeah. the janitorial staff in an airport because they know where all the secret plugs are. Yeah. You know, like I asked this dude, I'm like, there's no plugs. I need to charge my computer. And he says, down behind the shoe shine shop, yeah, there's yeah. three open plugs. Yeah. And I was like, yes. Yeah. And I've, I've, I've camped out. <laughs> I've camped out in the strangest places, like, you know, yeah. like, because there's, there's the terminal area, you know, near the gate where there's everything set up. But then sometimes like in some yeah. thorough, like some hallway or some little area that with a moving sidewalk going to another part of the airport, there's always, because they had yeah. to vacuum these things. So, you know, or, or polish the floor, whatever they do. So there's always outlets in weird places. And I've camped out in the strangest places in oh, airports. Yeah. So, um, so to your, I mean, you are a true nomad man. And you, you also, you exemplify the, the, the spirit of this show perfectly because you are a full-time full-on musician you haven't had a day job in 13 years that's right that's a beautiful thing do you, do you sit there and just grin thinking about it there are moments there yeah. are moments when um you know the the feeling that most overcomes me is just gratitude yeah you know i i i just you know i just i sort of marvel when i took the leap off the cliff uh 12 years ago 13 years ago um, I really had no idea if this was going to work. You know, I just, I just literally like dove off the cliff and started flapping as hard as I could. You know what Ray Bradbury says, <laughs> jump and build your wings on the way down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. So um, in what, was there one incident that inspired you to just make the switch? Like did something bad, you like have a bad day at work, you know, at your day gig or like what was, like what was the tipping point? Was there a specific thing or was it something to kind of build and kind of rolled over you like a big soft wave? Well, you know, uh, I mean, you and I go all the way back to music school. We go back 20 years, yeah. and um, which is astounding to think of it. But Our alma mater, the yeah. Millican University in yeah. beautiful Decatur, Illinois. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I mean, even when I was at conservatory, I knew that I wanted to be a touring singer-songwriter. I knew that I wanted to be a folk singer. Uh, and there were times when I really felt like I was sort of the laughing stock of conservatory because, yeah. you know, everybody's like, why are you going to school then? It's like, because I really want to understand music yeah you know and uh i produced my first record while i was at millican and released it the year after i graduated and then there was this long hiatus there was a, a five-year hiatus for me uh between records uh and i was working in warehouses in seattle i was driving forklift i drove school bus i went to grad school for a little while i did all kinds of things uh became a salesman in the marine industry for a while and what's interesting is that through all of those i gained skills that i needed to know that i hadn't learned in school Huh. I learned how to run a business. I learned how to manage inventory. I learned how to be an effective salesman. I learned how to juggle doing my business during the day and performing on evenings and weekends. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I somehow thought that when I made the leap to being a full-time musician that there would be there would be I don't know, this magical instant transformation that would be a cure to work. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was really disappointed when I realized there is no cure for work. Yeah. You know, I, I went from, you know, when I had a sales job, I was working in the office and selling stuff and doing managing logistics and managing product and all kinds of stuff during the day. I spent a lot of time driving, meeting with clients, getting to places I'd never been before on time. Um, and then I would play music on evenings and weekends. And it's remarkable how much my life still looks like that. Yeah. You know, it's like, just your music and you're your own boss. Yeah. You know, I, I, I marched to my own drummer but I still spend most of my days camped out at your house or camped yeah. out at somebody's house right. with my laptop and my cell phone doing my sales work, yeah. doing my 
product management, running a little record label, doing all the, the stuff that I do, and then I'm out doing concerts on evenings and weekends. Yeah, well, you are an entrepreneurial independent businessman yeah you know and they say you know when you start your own business you don't start the you know you don't own the business the business owns you it's shown up you know, baby that's shown the way up. it goes so but but there wasn't a specific moment like you know someone in your office didn't come in and you're, i'm sorry your boss didn't come in one day and kind of give you grief about tps reports and you were like you know that's it you know was it was there no like aha <laughs> um, moment or did it just kind of seem like well, a logical I, transformation I, I, um there was kind of an aha moment, but it, I, I realized that I just I, I couldn't do the marine industry thing anymore. I couldn't do the salesman thing anymore. Uh, I got in a new relationship with a woman that I eventually married, Lynn. And, um, hi, Lynn. Yeah, hi, Lynn. I think she's listening from Chicago, actually. Um, it's warm here. Yeah, yeah it's nice. Um, you know, and, and like my personal life just really came into tune and mm-hmm. into focus. And that... that the discord of my professional life became untenable. It became unbearable because I had something finally to compare it to that was really working well. Yeah. And that was my, my personal relationship with my life partner. And, uh, you know, so then uh, I went to grad school for a while, and I think there I really realized that I, I was studying choral conducting and working on a degree in secondary education so that I could become a music teacher. And... I think it was in that moment, it was in that moment that it really became clear to me because being a music teacher was like asking me to fall in love with my true love's sister. You know, like, like, you know, I knew what I wanted. I wanted to be touring and going to grad school became a really clarifying sort of experience for me because I went, no, 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 I have no business in the classroom until I have sort of proved myself on the road. Yeah. You know, I don't ever want to be one of those musicians that didn't go for what I wanted to do and lives with this sort of bitterness and yeah. takes it out on other people. I mean, we all know the type, frustrated artists who haven't yeah. been willing to They're all front of house guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, where those, that's where those guys wind up. Yeah, you know, and I just, I didn't want to do that. I, I got nothing against teaching, but uh, contrary to the, the idea that those who can do, those who can't teach... Uh, I really think teaching is a calling, and teaching yeah. it takes an, a, just a tremendous amount of skill and thoughtfulness and talent in and of itself. And I started doing some internships and some practicums with students in grad school, and I went, yeah, I don't have the chops yeah. for this. You yeah, know, I, I need it's to really, uh, yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's almost a cross you're picking up at that point. Oh, you know? yeah. And if you're already a musician, why would you, you've already got that cross, you've already got that monkey on your back, why would you pick yeah. up the other one too? Yeah. But, you know, I, I, I do think that sometimes you have to go down the wrong road to figure out, to, to realize what the right one is. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So you go, you know, you go a quarter mile down that road and you're like, okay, time to turn around. That other road's not looking so bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's just, I just, I was, I was afraid of taking the risk that I needed to take. Uh, And going to grad school for one semester just really clarified it. And I went back to Seattle, got a job for uh, about a year and a half. Uh, produced my first national release and hit the road uh, in 2000. And I'm glad you did, Joe. You're still at it, uh, as am I. So kudos, man. So let's play some music. I want to give people something to listen to here so they know what we're talking about and something to listen to, something to dig. Uh, this is from, this is your most recent solo record, is uh, that correct? Second to last. Second to last. Okay, this is The Candle and the Flame, and the track we're going to play off of this is The Turtle. Tell us, give us a really brief description of this, and we'll lay it on everybody. Uh, always love The Turtle. The Turtle's kind of my totem animal. Uh, and in 2004, a year after my eldest brother passed away, uh, I just started thinking very, very sort of metaphorically, metaphysically, 
Uh, and this song kind of came out the other side of that thought process. Okay, wonderful. We're looking forward to hearing this. This is Joe Jenks on Independence Day with the track The Turtle from his release, The Candle and the Flame. We'll be back after this with more from Joe. Will the turtle lays a hundred eggs so a dozen might survive? Wait across that sand and finally reach the sea alive And haunted by the memories of those falling from my side I keep reaching for that water, go headlong into the tide consider who's to blame in the face of such absurdity we can only laugh and cry and the cycle just continues as we breathe and grow and die as we For what is it we gain If we mistake for knowledge What is only fear and pain In the shades of disappointment Shades of sorrow, shades of gray If we trade our love for anger Then we trade our lives Oh, my. 
And that was Joe Jenks, the uh, full-time, bona fide, genuine, full-time musician, touring guy, man. And also an excellent friend of mine, Joe. It's great to see you. It's always great to share uh, a room with you. So thank you. It's an honor to have you on the show. That is from his record. That is uh, the record, The Candle and the Flame. That track is The Turtle. And that's always been that. Even even college, man, that was like your it was like your power animal was the turtle. I remember yeah. that even from back then. You don't you're not like a tattoo guy, but I imagine you if you were a tattoo guy, you'd have a big old turtle on your back. I've thought about getting a recycle symbol with yin and yang in the middle. Yeah, as opposed to a number. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I'm 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 kind of um, I'm kind of reactionary when it comes to tattoos. Like if I'm an, if I'm around a lot of people with tattoos, I think, man, I don't want to get a tattoo. Look at all that. Look at all those tattoos. But then if I'm if I'm in somewhere where with a lot of really like hard-nosed conservative folks, I'm like, yeah, man, that sounds like it might be kind of cool to do. <laughs> you know, I don't know what that says about my personality. But well, then it really comes it says down. What we've to always it. known, which is you have a contrary streak. Yeah, something like that. But but honestly, I'd rather spend the money on like beer and music gear. Yeah, is what it, you know, is what it comes down. To. I think that's just what it comes down to. It's like you can't you can't drink a tattoo. Uh, anyway, so you're out here doing some shows. Um, and you know, you're, you're out most of the time you're away from home living yeah. on the road and, uh, but your career, you know, you've been doing this, you know, at, at one point, a couple of years ago, you said you'd been doing this for about 10 years and you got to a point where it was, you were kind of burned out a little bit. Like what brought you back in, cause now like, it seems like you've got your, your mojo totally working again. And like, what got you back? Um, you know, it, the relationship that we have with our craft, with our art, is no different than the relationship that we have with people in our lives. And at some point, you just you hit roadblocks and you hit things that aren't working. And you have to decide if that's a terminal kind of roadblock in your relationship with that person or that thing or whether or not you can work through it. Uh-huh. And I knew that I loved music, but I hit a place where the only the only day on tour that I would get up with a smile on my face is the day I got to hop in my car and hit the button on my GPS that said home. Yeah. You know, like I was just living for those precious few days that I could be at home with my wife and at home in my own space and not be a guest in somebody else's somewhere. Yeah. You know, like, cause it just, it, it, more than anything that really starts to wear when you're just constantly a guest because you're, you're performing even when you're off stage. Right. You know, I, I mean with a friend like you, you know, I, I'm not performing when I'm off stage with you. We're just laughing it up and having a good time. Yeah. But, but you, you stay know, with a lot, like when, at your level of touring, you know, it's not like, you know, you're not in a bus, you're not in a van, right. you're in your car. And usually when, as, as I understand it, when you're staying somewhere, you're staying in someone's house. Uh, it's not often. like you're at the Ramada. Yeah, often. And now after, you know, 12, 13 years on the road, I have sort of established relationships all over the country. So every time I come to L.A., I stay with you. Right. You know, every time I go to the Boston area, I stay with my friend Neil. Uh, you know, every time I go to Madison, I, you know, like right. there's just there's certain places. Network. I have sort of a network now. Uh, of people who understand that I keep strange hours. I'm up late. I tend to get hungry after shows, so I'm, you know, cooking dinner at midnight or one or two in the morning or you know, whatever, you know. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It, it just, it really wore on me not being in my own bed, not having familiar yeah. surroundings, not being with my partner, um, with my romantic partner, my life partner. Um you know, it, 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 I just, I loved the music. I loved the shows, but I was living only for my time on stage and my time at home. Yeah. 
and that leaves huge, vast quantities of life where you're not really alive. It's a, it's a hurry up and wait kind of business. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of downtime. You know, it's like I think uh, a lot of musicians, performer types, get into things like heavy drugs and things like that because they're trying to their 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 lives are like these pinnacles of of you know the performance and you know maybe recording that kind of thing. But then there's hours, countless hours where you're sitting backstage, you're sitting in an airport, you're sitting at a truck stop, you're just in a car or a bus and you're moving, but you're completely at the mercy of wherever the bus or car is yeah. taking you, you know. Um, so it's it's I'm not saying it justifies it, but I understand it at the minimum. Oh yeah. No, I I, I, just, I totally get it. And um you know, I just realized that I needed to find ways to be more alive. You yeah. know, I had managed to take, you know, the once upon a time I quit a day job because it felt onerous and, and difficult and burdensome. And right. and I had managed to turn my passion into a job. Yeah. And that was the point where I just decided, okay, I either need to find my passion again or I need to get out and, like, make room for other people because nobody should be doing this unless they're in love with it. Yeah. You know, it's just that simple. Um, yeah, yeah. And, and, um... I started talking with some friends of mine out east, Pat Wichter and Greg Greenway, about the possibility of doing a little touring together, doing some traveling. Uh, we it took us about nine months to set up our first rehearsal because all three of us were touring and we just we couldn't find a compatible window to get yeah, together. The, this is a new project you're yeah. talking about here. What's this called? It's called Brother Son. That's okay. the band's name. Uh, and so we started doing a few shows together in 2010, scheduling some rehearsals. Uh, we did one, like, four or five shows in a row together in early December uh, of 2010. Uh, and then we hit the ground running January 3rd of 2011. We did 85 or 90 shows last year together. We produced our first CD. Uh, we played some really good-sized festivals, some big venues out east. Uh, and I just completely fell in love with music again. Like, I just completely fell in love with making good music. You know, and I realized in this strange sort of way, I was just bored with myself. Yeah. You know, like, you know, you, you can't really tickle yourself. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I just, I had, I had spent too many hours alone in my car, too many hours alone on stage. And what I was hungry for was companionship, community, the artistic challenge of, of working with other people, having them push my boundaries, me pushing theirs, and looking at this thing that emerges in the center of that, that's something none of us would have come up with on our own. Right. Uh, and this this next song, I think we're going to play one off the CD, is a great example of that. It was written by my bandmate, Pat Wichter, and by a mutual friend of ours, Tom Prasada Rao, uh, who lives down in, in the Dallas area in Texas. Um, and before the paint was dry on this song, I mean, it was, it was, it was brand new the day they wrote it. Um, they played it for me, and I said, I'm singing that song. I cool. love that song. Uh, that was way before we knew we were going to form a band, Pat and I, but... Um, you know, he said, great, sing it, run with it. And I started working on it and playing with it a little bit. Uh, and then when we came together as a band, he suggested that I sing it instead of him with the trio because he liked how I sang it. Yeah. And, and I'm totally grateful because it's one of the moments like in every show that I look forward to because it's just, it's just a juicy song that takes, in, in, in the true fashion of the blues, this song takes an old story and this one happens to be a scriptural story a biblical story but it takes it and kind of turns it on its ear and it it, it captures the spirit of the blues and woe and lament uh but it, it just comes with this nice little sort of hmm 
you know, a little philosophical twist to it. Okay. It's a song called Go Tell Mary. Uh, and it's the it's just it's a great blues song that Pat and Tom right. wrote. Well, we've, we've got it all set up here. Let's hear this and track. And this is Brother Son singing it. This right. is my trio. Yeah, so this is the new trio, or new-ish trio, I should say, uh, with you know Joe Jenks and two other musicians. And uh, we're going to play a track from this. Where can people find the CD, Joe? Uh, you can get this online uh, through brothersonmusic.com, B-R-O-T-H-E-R-S-U-N. Yeah, S-U-N, like son, not son, son as in the son of, yeah. of, of God or son yeah, of no, whoever. No, no, no. Yeah, son, S-U-N, brothersonmusic.com. The big glowing orb, son. Yeah. All right, so this is Brother Son, Joe Jenks, and his bandmates with the track Go Tell Mary on Independence Day. Lazarus lay in his tomb asleep Mary's swoons at the Savior's feet And I'm in the kitchen Fixing something to eat again I've been picking up the slack Since God knows Go tell Mary. Go tell Mary. Go tell Mary. I don't want to be Martha no more. I went to the Lord out of love. See if there's something that he could do to bring back that brother of yours and mine. Because it hurts my heart to see you grieving all the time. Go tell me. Tell Mary, I don't want 
tell Mary. Go tell Mary. I don't want to be Martha no And that, my friends, is the band Brother Son, featuring none other than Mr. Joe Jenks, who is in here in the studio with us tonight. My name is Joe Armstrong, and you're listening to Independence Day. This is a show that examines the changing face of the music business. We are on every week, broadcasting live from the campus of Pasadena City College in beautiful Pasadena. Welcome, Joe. Again, glad to have you. Thanks. And uh, tell me, Brother Son, this is like a newish trio. You guys have been at it for about a year. <laughs> Out of the gate, though, doing 90 shows in a year, that's, that's pretty... Uh, you know, you've definitely eked out your space there. And you said some people are calling it like a uh, like a folk supergroup. Yeah. How does it feel to be part of a supergroup? Uh, a little intimidating some days. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I you know I grew up in a small ish city in the Midwest, and uh, you know we have a certain sort of cultural humility yeah. in the Midwest. And and when when anybody applies terms like supergroup to something I'm a part of, I, I you know. Uh, I, I'm always suspicious and waiting for the other shoe to fall because yeah, it yeah. always seems like when somebody offers uh, high praise, somebody's waiting around the corner with a club. You know, <laughs> <laughs> pride goeth before a fall, Joe. And who's so? Whose idea was it for the genesis of this band? Like, what? When? Like, who came to who and said, uh, "Hey." you know, I've got this idea for this band, and, and who's, who's the genesis? Well, we'd all been touring together in different forms on the circuit for many years. Uh, you know, I mean, not touring together, but we all toured the same circuit, and we'd bump into each other periodically at festivals and at conferences or gigs. Uh, and Pat Wichter and I met, I think, in 2002 and started doing actual, you know, little mini tours together, two, three dates in a row together. Uh, I worked on a couple of his records, doing a lot of vocal arrangements. He worked on a couple of my records, doing a lot of guitar work uh, and some singing as well. And, um, you know, we just, over the span of about six or seven years, we developed a real rapport. Uh, and we both knew Greg Greenway. He's been on the circuit longer than either of us, uh, and he's uh, just a marvelous performer and songwriter and a great mm. guy. And, um, you know, I think no matter how talented people are, it's the caliber of who they are as human beings that ultimately is going to create a sustainable, professional, and artistic environment. And I think we just sort of gravitated toward each other, not just because of who we are as musicians, but who we are as people. Um, you know, because you're going to spend a lot of time with people that you're touring with, and yeah. you, it's really good if you like them. Uh, you yeah. know, and uh, uh, you know, so uh, there's something called the Phil Oaks Song Nights, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Phil Oaks was a very uh, a great yeah, singer-songwriter, legendary. legendary political writer, um, and uh, his sister started these these uh, Phil Oaks nights to keep his music alive after he died uh, in the early '70s. Uh, and so we've all been a part of those as well and spent time touring with the Phil Oaks tour. Uh, you know, and we started working together. We ended up at a festival down in Virginia, uh, and Pat Wichter had a, Greg and I had done feature sets at this festival in previous years, and we got Pat down there to do a set, and we were sort of sang some backup for him, and we just had this magical moment in that show where there was, you know, four or five hundred people in an auditorium, and, you know, it was good lighting, good sound, and just like we just hit certain chords vocally and we could feel the ripple of energy just move outward through the house 
And we all looked at each other on stage and we're just like, yeah, we need more of this. This is just too much fun. You can definitely feel it when something is just right. It kind of clicks and that's when you know, oh yeah, okay, we got to do more of this. Oh, it, was, it was it was just tremendous. Um, but I think we all kind of got back to our solo touring and thought, well, this would be fun. We let's do this sometime, you know, and that that nebulous sort of sometime. Um, and Pat gave us all a call, you know, he was a couple months later, October or something, and he said, hey, let's 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 get together, you know, yeah. let's let's do more of this. Like Spinal Tap, um, might as well join up. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, so it, it's, um, you know, it, it, in truth, it was a very organic sort of emerging. Uh, and at the same time, I really, Pat really deserves some credit for the guy that picked up the phone first uh-huh. and said, hey, let's really do this. You know, that was that was fun. Let's do more. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can. You guys are doing a show out here as well much later this year in August. Yeah, in we're going to be Barbara. out in August. We just set this up. It's not even up on the website yet. We just set this up. Uh, but we're going to be at a venue called Trinity Backstage uh-huh. uh, up in up in Santa Barbara. Cool. And, and we'll probably come down to L.A. and maybe San Diego. I'm sure I'll have three of you guys sleeping to, on to my SLO. floor. Yeah, we'll probably do your show. <laughs> love to come do your show then. Yeah, we, we would us. absolutely love to have you. So I'll have my people call your people, the lawyers and all. We'll get it yeah, all yeah, set yeah. up, all right? So how about in the meantime? <laughs> I'll look for your text. In the meantime, yeah, exactly, exactly. And you are playing, actually, this Saturday night up in Santa Barbara as uh-huh. well. Tell me about that real quick. Uh, my buddy Andrew Jackson and I are doing a show together at a place called Soho. Okay. Uh, he set up the show. He's familiar with the venue. He saw that I was going to be out here visiting you and uh, hanging out with some friends up in Galita and doing some music up in Gal- Galetta, Galita. I, be- I believe it's Galita. Galita. Um, and uh, and he said, "Hey, let's do a show." And he's a, he's just a, a really exquisite guitarist. Cool. And tickets are still available. They yep, can find them through your website. Um, yeah, I think there's a link on my website to Soho's website, yeah, which is just JoeJanks.com. J O E J E N C K S. Joe Jenks. You got it. So Joe, you've got your guitar. Actually, it's not a guitar. Tell me about this instrument. Give me the really short version because I want to get you some music going here quickly. Um, this is a bazooki, um, a Greek instrument, very closely related to the mandolin. Uh-huh. Um, this one doesn't look like a bazooki. It looks like a guitar. It was custom made for me by my friend Baird Blaine in Fayetteville, Arkansas. And tell us, show and us what uh, that thing can do. Distant lands, the tempest tossed with hopeful hearts and calloused hands, reached toward the light, the torch held high, and cast their gaze upon the lady of the harbor, and she welcomes them. Let my children Shine on Shine on Oh you lady of the harbor And so Sailed 
from Sweden and from France and Ireland Their earthly cares packed in their bags They cast their gaze upon the lady of the That was Joe Jenks. That's beautiful, Joe, as always. Thank you. It's it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to watch you kind of like mature as a songwriter over the years, over the course of your career. Um, you know, you're you you hope for that as a musician. You hope that you're you know, as you keep doing it, that you keep changing and you keep growing, and you certainly have done that. So um, so excellent work, man. And that is that that uh, where will we find that song? Um, that song is is uh, presently unreleased. It's okay. a new song, brand new, uh, brand new. I just I went to Ellis Island uh, and got to walk up the stone steps that my granddad walked up in 1914 when he came on a boat from Ireland, and I thought about how the immigrant experience has changed over the last century. Yeah, um, and uh, and I thought about this very sort of Norman Rockwell esque picture that we have of ourselves as the great melting pot and uh, you know being welcoming to. Um, other people 
and then I thought about what has become the reality for many yeah. people trying to immigrate here, trying to seek the same betterment of themselves and improvement of their condition that, that many of our ancestors found by coming here. And um, I started thinking, you know, how the conversation might be different if the Statue of Liberty were on the U.S.-Mexico border as opposed to out yeah. of New York Harbor. Yeah. Excellent work, as always. And how about something else? I'd like to get some, as much music out of you as I can get out of you while I've got you uh, here. So tell me what this is. And you've switched instruments now. Uh, this is um, a six-string, steel string, six-string made by James Goodall, who used to be based in Kona, Hawaii. Uh, I believe he now lives in San Diego. Two, two very good places to live. So what are you going to play for us, Joe? I'm going to play one of Phil Oak's songs, as long as we've... Uh... A song called Bracero that Phil wrote in 1966 uh, about the guest worker program uh, that was just wrapping up at the time. It had started during World War II, the Bracero program. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he was one that was really never afraid to call a spade a spade. And some of the lyric writing in this song, I just, you know, uh, people ask me sometimes, what's the difference between a singer-songwriter and a folk musician? Um, and that's, it's very hard to distinguish. But um, I think for me, part of the difference is that folk musicians take, take it upon themselves to make sure that we're carrying traditions forward as well as singing our own songs. Yeah, there's a very, very rich tradition in the folk oh, uh, yeah. folk music world where you have to know your history. And, and when I know your history, I mean you have to know the songs. You know, you have to know there's like a, a whole, like, there's a whole repertoire of it's stuff. It's like jazz, you, can, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, there's, new jazz is great, but, you know, there's a lot of people that came before us that made some really brilliant music. And Standing it's good on to, the shoulders of giants. Oh, yeah, keep carrying it forward. So this is one of Phil Oak's songs called Bracero. border Bracero come bring your hungry body to the golden fields of plenty from a peso to a penny Bracero welcome to California where the friendly farmer will take care of you For your mother, for your father and your brother, for your sister and your lover. Bracero, come pick the fruit of yellow, break the flower from the berries, purple grapes will fill your belly. Bracero, welcome to. Where the friendly farmer will take care of you Welcome to California 
With a friendly farmer will take care of you And the sun will bite your body And the dust will draw you thirsty As your muscles beg for mercy Bracero In the shade of your sombrero Drop your sweat upon the soil Like the fruit your youth can spoil Bracero Welcome to California Where the friendly farmer will take care of you Welcome to California Where the friendly farmer will take care of you As the weary night embraces Sleep in shacks that could be cages they will take it from your wages Bracero And sing about tomorrow With the jingle of the dollar And forget your crooked collar Bracero Welcome to California Where the friendly farmer will Take care of you And the local men are lazy And they make too much of trouble Besides we'd have to pay them double Bracero But if you feel you're falling If you find the pace is killing There are others who are willing Bracero Welcome to California Where the friendly farmer will take care of you Welcome to California Where the friendly farmer will take care of you Welcome to California Very nice, Joe. Little Phil Oaks for us there. Part of the rich tradition of folk music as we understand it to be. And um, let me ask you this. Like... You're, you know, you come from a very large family, you know, and you're, you're yeah. one of the most musical people I know. Was music something that came out of your family, or you know, was there a lot of music growing up in your family? Oh yeah, huge, huge. Irish and French Catholic. My dad's side French, my mom's side Irish. 
Uh, and all of my, I'm the youngest of seven children in my family, and all of my older siblings grew up in this era in the Catholic Church when folk music had really come into popularity in the church. And so there were guitar masses and folk masses, and, and all of my siblings, you know, always sang and played instruments, violin and mandolin and cello and, you know, guitar and piano and... Uh, they all sang in great harmonies, and I was there was eight years between myself and number six in my family. I'm seven of seven, and uh, sort of like Borg, only different. Um, but uh, um, yeah, so there was there was a real age gap between myself and that sort of older co- cohort in my family. Uh-huh. So I really grew up hearing them and taking lessons from them, and you know, there's there's a lot of musical influences in my life, but certainly the earliest were my own siblings, uh, yeah. who were just constantly present and playing music of one form or another. And uh, starting at a pretty young age, I started singing with them in various places, including church and local festivals and all kinds of stuff. You know, and singing harmony was just, you know, it's just what we did. You know, we, we sang when we were working in the yard. We sang doing housework and dishes. We just, you know, we, we sang all the time. Yeah. It's, so it's, it's almost as if you're doing what you've always done. Yeah. You know, you, so you're doing what you were born to do, Joe, I think, is what I, it comes I think down so. to. You know, I sometimes think of myself that, you know, I was this soul floating out there in the cosmos. And I just heard the music that was going on in that house and said, I want to be born there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's in what, uh, what kind of music was like the prevalent style? I mean, was it kind of all over the place? I mean, if you had cellos and whatnot, I mean, that oh, kind yeah, of lends I, I, itself I mean, to you know, all of my style. siblings studied in one form or another classically for different periods. We all took piano lessons, you know. Uh, but certainly folk and folk rock, you know, yeah. like the 70s kind of singer-songwriter folk rock yeah. thing was definitely a very prevalent style. But, you know, it ranged across the board. I mean, I, you know, I'd... I'd, you know, I'd listen to Vivaldi's Four Seasons and then pop on, you know, Black Sabbath, Paranoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, it just was, it was, you know, Uriah Heep was one of my favorite groups, Super Tramp, Cat Stevens, you know. Yeah. Just, you know. Music is a very wonderful thing, you know, yeah. and I, I like it when people make it inclusive. You know, people try to make it kind of sometimes an exclusionary thing, like, well, I only like this and I only, I only deal with that. But there's room for everybody. You know, uh, pretty much, and I just I like good music. People say, "Oh, what kind of music do you like?" I'm like, "Good music." I don't you know, care what genre. What's the phrase? Music that doesn't suck. Yeah, you know, I mean, exactly. as long as it's made by musicians who are making it very intentionally, I'm yeah. probably going to enjoy it. So, how about some more music, Joe? What, yeah. what else have you got for us here? Yeah, um, you know, I was thinking, uh, thinking about a song that I wrote for my wife. Actually, I'm going to switch back to the bazooki. Okay, cool. So you're listening to Independence Day. My name is Joe Armstrong. Tonight's guest is Mr. Joe Jenks, currently based out of Evanston, Illinois. But uh, grew up in Illinois. You've spent some time in Ohio. You know, you've been kind of all over. You're yeah, very, lived very in well Seattle traveled for a long time. Yeah. yeah, and you've been around the world this year too. Um, been been around a bit. Yeah. Yeah, Guatemala. Was down in Guatemala this summer. Uh, my wife's working on a PhD at Northwestern, and this was pertinent to her studies. Uh-huh. But we ended up spending three weeks in Guatemala, and it was just life changing. Yeah. It was it was incredible. We were working with a literacy program down there, and along alongside of trying to get ourselves literate in Spanish, um, you know, we were working with a program that that brings books and and learning tools out into the villages of the, of the, of the campesinos, the 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 workers there. Travel is so essential. Oh, I, I'm awesome. personally of the belief that everyone should have to travel. You know, you shouldn't even get a vote. You should have to go experience the world because you come back a much much wiser person. Oh yeah. Yeah, and and we just we made friends down there that I can't wait to go back and see this next yeah. summer. Cool, it's gonna be great. But this is uh, uh, a song that I wrote thinking about uh, some 
a couple acres that Lynn and I have in central Washington, just trees on a mountainside, and there's nothing there, but it's just, it's one of my sacred places. And, uh, it's a song I wrote for Lynn for our anniversary last year. Beside me in 
faces lay beside you in our bed. All I want is a garden. Very nice, Joe. I hope Lynn does Lynn uh, does Lynn dig that kind of stuff when you write her songs? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, She's yeah, so, it's it's good, you know, because if you're if you're married to a musician, you know, you uh, I'm sure she could speak to this, but uh, it's it has it presents unique challenges. Yeah, yeah. So she, but she must be, um, you know, pretty unique. And I mean, I, of course, I mean, I've met Lynn. It's been a long time since I've seen her, but uh, you know, you have to be a pretty unique person to be married to a musician, uh, especially one that spends as much time on the road as you do. Oh yeah, oh yeah. It takes uh, takes a lot of fortitude to be married to somebody like us. But you know, um, I mean, you know, there's definitely worse fates. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> so you know, we're we're running a little short on time here. You know, you and I, you know, we could probably do this interview, and you know, I don't know that anybody would want to listen to it, but we could probably talk for twelve hours. Oh yeah, you know, I mean, we didn't begin to really get into how the music industry has changed in the last twelve or fifteen years, or yeah, you know, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff that it would be great to talk more about. But yeah, well, we'll just have to have you back. That'd be awesome. You know, we would. I, I would love to have you back on the show, and we It'd can talk, talk about lots of things. Bring the whole band next time. You know, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you know, there's there's a couple of things I want to visit before we go real fast here. Like you had a song on a car talk compilation, did you not? Which yeah. Click and Clack, the Tappet Brothers yep. from NPR. Yep. How, how did that wind up happening? Um, you know, a fan sent it to them. Uh, a friend of mine had sent it, uh, I don't know, I think a couple of people just heard it while I was on the road and sent it to them. And they, after, you know, the third or fourth CD that showed up with a recommendation that they listen to the song, you know, okay. from different sources, um, they, they, you know, they picked it up and listened to it. And um, they used it on the air a few times, and then they put it on one of their compilations of their favorite car songs. Okay. So. Very nice. And, you know, I've, I've, we've got to wrap it up here. But, you know, one thing, I mean, I, I, the, the highest compliment that I can pay you, Joe, is that you, you know, through, through your life in music and your life spirit, I mean, I've said this to you before, like kind of jokingly, but you're like the most earnest guy I've ever met in my entire life. And you carry your life and your spirit with you everywhere you go. And I think it's a, it's a blessed thing that you share it with the world to the extent that you do. Thank you. So don't ever stop, man. Like knowing <laughs> that you're out there doing what you're doing makes me feel better about the world in general. <laughs> So, nice. yeah, you know, and then let me, for the last thing here, tell me real quick uh, before we wrap it up, what is the best memory? Um, this can be a show or anything that has to do with your career in music. Like what, if, if your thing was over right now, and by thing, I mean life, like if you had to hang it up right now, uh, what would you take away from your career as like the, the moment that you think was like the most heartfelt or the most moving or the, like your favorite moment of your career so far? Oh my God. How could I even limit it to one? Um, I'd have to say that the, the uh, I did it. Uh, yeah, it's a lot of the work I've done with young people, actually, surprisingly enough. Um, I did a week-long residency at Carnegie Hall a couple of years back, uh, and sitting in Carnegie Hall and hearing a bunch of New York City school kids sing one of my songs with wow. me. You know, and we were doing two shows a day for five days, so it, it didn't happen once. Like I got to yeah. love this moment for an entire week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was just one of those moments. I just I remember walking out of Carnegie Hall on Friday evening at the end of a week of these residencies, and just going, 
you know, I could die and I would be completely yeah. satisfied. Like, like yeah. how cool was that? You know, I just had yeah. thousands of New York City school kids singing with me. And that's a wonderful thing to have on your resume at Carnegie Hall. It's a pretty cool thing to have on your resume. And speaking of Carnegie Hall, we got to get out of here. But you're actually playing again late this year, correct? And that looks like those dates. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about what you're doing. You've got December 10th through 14th. You're doing like another <laughs> set of, a run at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, more uh, more programming for for New York City school kids. Yeah, and it's just you know it's it doesn't get any better than that. You know, singing music of social consciousness and sort of community awareness with a bunch of kids. Like, I mean, just yeah. how cool is that? Reach out and touch somebody, Joe. You always do. <laughs> So, and then this Saturday night, you're up in Santa Barbara. That's the 14th at Soho. That's 5 p.m. I think those, yeah. those tickets, I think, are 15 bucks. People can find tickets. Like that, yeah. yeah. You know, hopefully, maybe there's some folks we know we can rain or Millican alums we can drag along and, and uh, <laughs> get, you know, we'll have ourselves a sing along up there. Also, just a couple other significant dates. I mean, you if people go to joejenks.com, they look at your calendar. I mean, you have hundreds of dates booked. I mean, you're booked through the year, and you're probably booking into the next year, by yeah, way yeah. beyond that. But you know, some some highlights here. March 23rd, this is a brother son gig, your trio. That's uh, the Rooster's wife in Aberdeen, North Carolina, kind of a unique gig there. July 27th, also a brother son gig. That's the Falcon Ridge Folk Festival, which is out in the sticks. Al, you said it's somewhere in the like it's a farm. Yeah, it's a borderland between New York between uh, yeah Massachusetts. Yeah. Good. I'm imagining it's a beautiful place to play. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. And Great festival. also, like I said, you brother son will be back out in Southern California in August 25th playing in Santa Barbara with Brother Son the Trio. Yeah. And we very much look forward to seeing that. We look forward to having you back on the show, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Joe, I can't thank you enough, man. It's, Absolutely it's, it's been my a, pleasure. It's been a wonderful experience, and I can't wait to have you back again. So, and that wraps it up for us this week on Independence Day. Thanks very much to Joe Jenks, also to the Independence Day staff, Dale Tanksley and Wayne Topinski, and also, as always, to the exemplary Valentina Rivera and Victor Cornejo from Lancer Radio. For Independence Day, I'm Joe Armstrong. Please be good to one another. <laughs>